Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Wrap Pod. I'm your host, Pixels of Breakfast, joined as always by the co-host, Dr. Blue. How's it going? It's going all right. I'm out of quarantine. It's nice. Out of quarantine. How's it feel to be a free person again? It feels like I'm just looking at the waveform because we're recording on Audacity, like a peek behind the curtains here. And it feels like I have a lot of ambient noise. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll be able to just... um filter it out because you'll have like samples of it but yeah fun times fun times it's a noisy room so yeah first of all of the uh, top here let's uh throw out my apologies here we didn't have a podcast for a few weeks uh as we just mentioned here blue was in quarantine after fleeing australia to his home country mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. so that was a factor uh also we were rushed to do we a did recording. try yeah we yeah did we try. did try one we were rushed to do a recording, and I actually think it was a pretty good podcast, but for some reason, something happened to that recording on my end, so I couldn't make mm. it happen. Uh, and then I was away on holiday, so we figured we'll just pick it up now. And mm. it's actually one of the worst weeks to pick it up, because there's hardly any news happening. And this is the first time in the uh, podcast history that we're actually recording the podcast before I finish the Breakfast Wrap video, So mm. uh, because there's nothing to talk about. But we're going to talk about what little there is to talk about. Obviously, before we do get into the news, the new consoles are out or on the verge of getting out. I'm yep. scrolling through Twitter, seeing everyone getting their Xbox Series Xs and their PS5s. And I did try to look at getting a Xbox uh, Series X, but they're all sold out of Japan, uh, as did my boss, or I guess Blue's boss as well, tried to get a PS5 from multiple places in Japan and no yep. dice. So if you did get a console, congratulations. Let us know on Twitter what you guys think of it. Uh, I wasn't super stoked to get one. It was more, uh, this is like part work of the will need job. It. Yeah, yeah, work need it. Curiosity from from every video I've seen, it's just like, oh yeah, it's more of the same. Obviously, the PS5 immediately looks a lot different in terms of its interfacing and stuff. But uh, mm. I turned on my Xbox One X because I can't buy Yakuza on PC in Japan for some reason. So I turned on my One X to get that updated and ready to buy that game. And uh, the interface changed there to come in line with the Series X anyway. So it's almost like I've got a Xbox <laughs> Series S yeah. version, version 0.5 or something. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm a PC gamer at heart anyway, but. It'll happen eventually, I think, with us. Yeah. It's just me, not a priority I'll, at launch. I'll get the PS5 when there's, you know, five or six games that I can't play on another platform. And I have a feeling yep. that that's going to be a very long time. Uh, coming. Mm-hmm. I'm more inclined to get the um, Xbox just because uh, I could do cross save between the PC and Game Pass and all that stuff. But yeah, we won't go into that because Axie might cry if we mention Game Pass too much. <laughs> um, all right, so let's just kick it off into the the first bit of news here is that Minecraft Dungeons is going to be enabling cross platform multiplayer from next week. Yeah, speaking of cross platform, right? Yeah, exactly. So Minecraft Dungeons came out. Oh, it feels like an eternity ago, but I, I'm sure it was only. It's only about- been like couple of months yeah and it's a yeah it's it a, really only has been it's a fun little arpg valen and i did a stream or two of it and it, it, you know it surprisingly has a bit more depth than i thought it would and they've been adding more content to it um mm. but as of november 17 they will be uh launching cross-platform with pc xbox one ps4 and nintendo switch so once mm. again xbox is throwing their hat into the uh we're not going to be too mean to playstation just a little bit mean um yeah. ring uh but you know having all of these barriers removed from which consoles you're on i'm i'm always in favor of uh they'll also be launching their howling peak dlc that's coming out next month uh which will um bring some more content to the game i don't know you haven't played this game right 
Blue? No, I've seen it. It's very surprisingly competent, and I only say that because you expect it to be a cash grab. I know the developers are very competent. Like, Moyang is not a slouch in terms of development at all. But yeah, exactly. No, it looks interesting. I think the cross-platform is obviously huge. Uh, don't be mistaken, this is not anywhere near the first game to be this way. A lot of other free-to-play uh, games already... I'm, I just I want to say Warframe already does it. Am I right? I, yeah. I don't know that for sure. I'm like, I have this feeling that it's... And to me, that's like huge, right? So it's really, really good, though, that Microsoft is pushing this, and hopefully that gets everyone else inclined to make more of the games like this. There, there definitely has felt like the barrier is the publishers and the platforms and not the developers, right? Developers yeah. always want people to just cross-play and cross-save and stuff. But. Specifically, too, PlayStation has been the one to yeah, firmly Sony. put up that barrier uh, to yep. the point that yep. they had to cave in for Fortnite and Rocket yep. League, and then it's a bit like, mm. well, you can't do it for some and not others. Like, that doesn't mm. make a lot of sense. You definitely look like the bad party here. So I'm mm. always in favour of it. Players should be in favour of it. Mm, for sure. I don't think they lose any money from it because if you're able, if I'm on an Xbox and you're on a PlayStation, we're able to play like Destiny 2 together mm. and you're going to be playing Destiny 2 longer on your PlayStation because you've got friends to play it with. So you're going to spend more money on con. Like, there doesn't seem to be any business reason to disallow this, basically. No, other than Sony Prestige, which is such a like figment of their imagination. Yeah, and it's it's shrinking day by day. <laughs> um, uh, another like oh. tiny yeah. tidbit in here as well is mm -hmm. um, there is I, I just saw in the article that there's gonna the goat is gonna be introduced in the Howling Peaks, which isn't in Minecraft proper yet, but will be as of next year's big one point one seven update. So I think that's really cool that obviously all the dev teams are sharing assets and stuff. One of the allures of Minecraft Dungeons is the aesthetic of Minecraft and the fact that this new baby game gets something that even, um, you know, the old behemoth doesn't quite have yet. That's really cool. Yeah, I think Minecraft Dungeons is a really interesting product. Like, I think Valen and I were sort of talking about it. Like, he and I play um, uh, Path of Exile together. I got the name mm. right. Um, yes. And, and, you know, you and I had played a lot of Diablo 3 and Torchlight together. Mm. And even as people who play a lot of these games, it was just like, oh, this is kind of fun. It's kind of cute. Yeah. It's nice to be in this setting. I was a little disappointed it didn't have more like destructibility or like building mechanics. Like yeah. I thought they could have done something along the lines of um, a bit more Lego. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, those Lego games where even mm. if it's just, you're holding a button and it builds a structure, like I would have liked to have seen more of yeah. that, but the biggest problem mm. I had was it just finished so quickly and it, mm. it, it didn't have enough content. And I know that they've been rolling out a bunch of content. So it might be time for Valen and I to yeah. jump back in and do a stream of this one. I'm, I'm really excited to go back to it. And I also yeah. think that if you're on the fence of, oh, this is just, there's not enough depth, there's not enough endgame content, like, I think this is very clearly aimed at families, yeah. particularly younger kids who haven't played a lot of these ARPGs, or, you know, mm -hmm. um, parents and their children playing the game together, so there's a little bit for everyone there. Like, I feel like it's the Pixar movie of, of ARPGs, you know what I mean? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think that's what gets a lot of people. The aesthetic is a bit cutesy and so it, it might turn the more serious people off but the, as i said before surprisingly competent because i didn't expect the depth 
Um, which is not to say it's Diablo deep, but... Yeah, it's not a well, but it's definitely not a puddle either, you know? For sure. If that makes sense. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, all right, I derailed this, but we are moving on. Yeah, that's all right. We're sticking with Microsoft for a fair bit of this because, you know, that console came out first, so that's where most of the news mm. is, is dropping out. Yep. Uh, but uh, we've heard about this before. Microsoft is... It was reported earlier this week that Microsoft is seeking acquisitions of small to big Japanese dev studios. Uh, so this mm-hmm. has been a rumor that's been floating around. Phil Spencer's been out there for a couple of years now, reiterating how much Xbox and uh, Microsoft in general respect Japanese game developers, how important mm. they are to the industry. That's no secret. He's been saying that for a long time. It was reported here. I'm going to read a quote. This is from uh, Eurogamer via, via the way of Bloomberg, I believe. The Xbox is a chance to make Japan its second largest market after the US if it takes the right steps for years to come, said Ace Research Institute analyst Hideki Yasuda, who is based in Tokyo. Sony's attention is drifting away from fan uh, is drifting away and fans have started to notice that. Microsoft won't be able to take Sony's position at number two after Nintendo in Japan anytime soon, but at least it has started to make changes. A big tide always starts with small changes. And yeah, basically the consensus in the industry is that Sony is heavily focused on the US market, forgetting mm-hmm. their Japanese roots, which has been important to Japanese gamers that, you know, it's their company and Japan first for a lot of it, even though that's not yep. how you see it in the West, but it's that not. is how it is here. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that was actually debunked later where uh, Phil Spencer uh, has commented on a re- on the reports, uh, the, also from Bloomberg. The uh, no, sorry, it was GameSpot where he gave this quote. Mm-hmm. His full answer when asked about these claims was, I don't think so. We're usually not out there. I say I don't think so. I mean, I'm not in every meeting that every team has, but it's not coming from it's. I'll say it's not from me. Most of the opportunities that we've had to date have been a long lasting relationship. So I don't think we're out there with our business cards, throwing them out on the corner, trying to find people. I've talked about my affinity for Japanese studios and the thinking back in the day when we had more games in Japan created as part of our first party. I'm excited when the deal closes to spend more time with Tango Gameworks and the work that they're doing. So it's an area I'm interested in, but no, I don't think that's not accurate. Now, we will comment on all of this, but then that also flows into Spencer also this week talking about Elden Ring, the new game from From Software. He's come out and said that it's the most ambitious title that they have made to date. Elden Ring is, of course, the uh, the new action RPG is what we think it is. In uh, We're assuming it's along the lines of the Souls game, but the yep. Game of Thrones writer George R.R. R. Martin is attached to it. Uh, in the same interview with GameSpot, uh, he said that he can't say much about it, but he's quite impressed after playing quite a bit of it. As someone who's mm-hmm. played all of Miyazaki's games... Over at least the last decade, this is clearly the most ambitious game that he's done. I love his games, but seeing some of the gameplay mechanics stuff that he's tackling, he and the team are tackling this time of the setting, working with another creator in terms of story. I love it. I love to see him challenging himself, which sounds really exciting. But let's let's just talk about Microsoft Japan first, and we can talk about Elden Ring. Yeah, for sure. Very conflicting reports here. So you've got Spencer for years saying how much that they're wanting to partner with um, mm-hmm. Japanese. Japanese developers and how important Japan is. The Xbox actually had a worldwide release day and date with in Japan, which was the first time ever, and it sold out instantly, which was strange. Yep. Granted, yep. we don't know how many consoles were out, but 
I'm assuming it's more than seven. So they've sold a decent amount, one would imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is interesting. They just acquired Bethesda in one of the biggest acquisition deals in video games of all time. Mm-hmm. And then immediately said, we're not done. We're still thinking about other teams to acquire. And then uh, you've got leaks from Microsoft saying, we're doing it. Spencer saying, nah, I don't think we are. But then him's also talking about from. Uh, and yes, of course, he's got Tango Gameworks under the Bethesda deal, but also Yakuza Like a Dragon is a marquee launch title on uh, the Xbox Series X and Series. Series S, which that series has been exclusively PlayStation until just recently. So it's only been in the last year or two that those other games started coming out on other consoles. Yeah. It's very clear to me that Microsoft has uh, a want and a need to be in Japan. I feel like... Uh, it's time for them to make this move and Japanese gamers are open to it. They've been pushing xCloud here pretty heavily, especially because yep. Stadia is out in Japan and absolutely no one is talking about it. Yep. Um, like streaming games is very normal in Japan. So I think people are really picking up on that. Like it, it's, it seems like it's a strategy. It's a, it's a big strategy. We also had um, Sekiro being featured at the Microsoft press conference a couple of E3s ago, which once again, mm-hmm. From Software has always been a PlayStation first developer. So yeah. I think I think Spencer is um covering his bases and trying to not let because if public perception gets um too excited, just for lack of a better word, just too eager or buzzing about this, that might scare off any kind of Japanese partners that they might be talking to. Absolutely. So I like think we- he he's in I think that second statement was a bit more damage control. I don't doubt that they're courting someone in Japan. Yeah, because you don't want the public to start being like, they're going to buy Square or some ridiculous yep. rumor like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's what it is. However, I will also say that the um, analysts saying that Microsoft has a shot at um, second spot in Japan didn't mention... I think that, yes, that's possible, but I actually think that what's going to make that happen is not the console and not their presence or focus there necessarily. I actually think it's going to be, if they manage to make it happen, it's going to be um, the xCloud and Game Pass specifically being usable on mobile. Absolutely. Um, a big part of the Japanese market, I don't know how much of this, is, like most people are aware of, is mobile. Um, so much of Japanese gaming happens on commutes, on trains and stuff like that. So in pre- previous generations, there were the Game Boys, the DSs, the PSPs. That's, that's one of the reasons... Sony had such a chokehold on Japan was the PSP. Yeah, I mean, I still see people with Vitas today. Yeah, the Vita is... I see more Vitas than Switches, surprisingly. The Vita is the premier um, visual novel machine. It has been modded to be able to take um, OSs outside of the Sony standard one to be able to run all sorts of stuff. That's one of the reasons why they're so popular in Japan. And so you'd have to start breaking into that market to get the kind of... um, uh coverage that sony has having said that you're talking about different games here sure some people will be interested in running your fortnites or cods on the on on the go but for a lot of people they want something a bit slower hence why visual novels like visual novels make sense as a commute game it's a book you can pick up and put down that has a bit more flash to it and that's basically it right yeah and so Microsoft isn't in that market very hard, um, which might be why they're partnering more with Japan. But yeah, if anything, I think 
that's the kind of thing that's going to give them the ability to be in Japan. Consoles are all well and good, but um, the average spending age for console and console peripheries, merchandise, anything like games for consoles, is actually a bit on average lower in Japan. It's not in the 30s, it's in the 20s. Whereas in the rest of the world, I'm not sure if people are aware, again, I'm not sure if people are aware of this. Like, the average age for someone invested in consoles in the West is like 35 now because we're old like the the audience is just older um yeah that's not as true in japan it's not as true in japan yeah, yeah it's it's really interesting because uh i've been talking to a few of my japanese friends and there's this sort of cult underground during the 360 era where if you had an xbox 360 you were like mm. hardcore cool gamer guy basically yeah. um and they were very proud of that and for whatever reason it was the xbox one just failed to recapture that market. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And there weren't a lot of Japanese games on the 360. Like, there were some, but not a huge amount. So it wasn't like the content, you know, drastically changed. Um, But it is interesting to speak to those same friends when they found out about Game Pass and just, like, you know, we all joke in the community about how much I love Game Pass and it's the best value, but Japanese people tend to really gravitate towards value propositions. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's still Asia for a lot of the cultural um, values that you have. Yeah, so... Yeah. So, like, them working out, like, my friends working out, oh, I can play all these games and just buy, like, a controller clip for my phone so I can, like, I have seen people here on the train with the Xbox 360 controller attached to a phone clip. Um, I don't know whether they're playing Xbox Game Pass or they are are using the NVIDIA, uh, whatever it's, platform is called mm-hmm. um mm. which is interesting because they've actually nvidia have worked out a deal with softbank over here so if you're with softbank you pay no data when using that streaming service mm-hmm. um so it, it'll be interesting to see if like microsoft teams up with one of the bigger um even if it's like an mvn like lion mobile or something to have free data yeah. streaming for that like i think that would be a sign of yeah they're really that would be the way in right it, it's yeah. not going to be the consoles and here's the other thing as well which this might be a bit harder for Microsoft to climb this hill, but the Game Boys, DSs, 3DSs, PSPs, PS, uh, PSP Vitas, those are walking billboards. When you see a train full of people using a specific console, you go, yeah, maybe the Vita is very popular. You know like what I mean? Whereas you see someone on their phone, that's a bit less instantly marketable. Yeah, I'm not exactly. saying that's a huge part of the success of the previous ones, but I don't know, maybe Microsoft would look into the phone clip thing, but like signature with a specific color scheme associated with it. If I was in Microsoft, that's the kind of like direction I'd be pushing if you wanted to get into Japan market. Because mm. that's what Japan market is. It's mobile primarily. Yeah. And I don't mean like mobile, but like, you know, something you can play on the go. I think yeah. that's honestly the biggest failure of the Switch. It's forgotten those roots. Um, and it doesn't matter to most of the rest of the world, but it did matter in Japan. Yeah, I don't really see people meeting up in the park with their Switches to play. No, that's I not could how see that works. people with a controller in their backpack and their phone doing that, though. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. I don't know why necessarily. But... Yeah. Uh, it's um, because of the, the preconception. The Switch put itself as a home console that you can take on the go and that affects perception that affects the way people use it yeah that's true i can see that uh but that's my touch i would like to touch on the fact that he's yeah he's come out with Elden ring once again Mm -hmm. 
I think it's a little cheeky dig at, oh yeah, the PS5's out this week. What has it got? Oh, Demon Souls, a remaster. Oh yeah. I've just been chilling out playing Elden Ring with my buddies at From. I yep. do wonder if this is just some foreshadowing here that yes, the uh, the new From Software game will be day and date on the Xbox. That PlayStation hasn't, you know, pushed through a exclusivity deal or a timed exclusive deal. Mm-hmm. Or if it is just a, hmm, yes, maybe we are talking to From. Your move, Sony, your move. Like, I'm sure there's not much to this, but it is interesting uh, with the timing here, for sure. Uh, I also wonder, I, I'm, I think it's more likely Spencer is the one manipulating the message, but could be From. FromSoft could be the one deciding to yeah. push out. Because they've been quiet. It, it's been radio silence about Elden Ring for two years now. Yeah, I mean, I do know that a lot of teams are currently seeking and taking investment in Japan. Tencent is making a lot of moves. Uh, I assume Sony is also making moves. Nintendo is Mm -hmm. working with smaller but more exclusive teams than they usually do. Mm. Um, This is just, you know, hearsay that I hear out here. I think Squeenix is also coming back into play. Yeah, so it's a bit quiet. Yeah, it's interesting. Japanese dev is is really stepping back up. And they're looking to the West uh, at how funding models and all that stuff work. So it is going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Um, It's just a bit like the perception around Microsoft just bought Bethesda, something that we thought could never happen, also opens the ceiling for, well, what else can happen now? (laughs) You know, it's it's pretty interesting. Sticking with Microsoft yet again, the Project X Cloud beta will be rolling out into Australia next week. So mm-hmm. I know we have Aussie listeners here. Uh, you will also be able to enjoy, enjoy the joy that is Microsoft Xbox Game Pass for PC, Xbox, and Android devices. No iOS just yet. Of course, there is that whole debacle there um, with, with Apple, but that they're working around. They're going to be doing a browser solution for that, which we can expect next year. But um, I've used xCloud on a VPN from Japan to America, and it worked flawlessly for me here, which was pretty damn impressive. Um, now it's out here in Japan. It even works even better. So I'm interested to see how uh, the Aussies in our community uh, have a good time with it, I hope. Uh, there's quite a slew of games that are going to be available. Um, I'm just having a look here. Bloodstained, which will be a popular one. Code Vein, DayZ, Gears 5. Halo, the Master Chief Collection, Sea of Thieves, Resident Evil 7, PUBG, WWE, 20K, Yakuza 0. Like, a whole bunch of games. It's not launching with the entire Game Pass library, but a good... Well, Killer Instinct's on there for you, Blue. Definitive edition. So, here's something to mention about uh, about this list. It is not all of these games for all of the regions that they're launching. Oh, yeah, I just, I just did notice that. Hey, most yeah. of them are Australian, by the looks of it, most. Most of them. I will say that uh, it, tends to, it tends to look like the shooters have a more Australia bent and then the non-shooters, the more Japanese bent. Yeah, for instance, uh, Recolor is only available in Japan. Killer Instinct is only yeah. available in Japan. Smite. Yeah. Oh, no, that's in all of them. That's all right. Don't play Smite. Um, <laughs> but yeah, very so minor thing. But yeah, yeah, you'll all be able to jump on and try out some XCloud and see how it works. Your mileage may vary, but I assume if you have a 4G connection, it should work fine. Fingers crossed. The actual last news story here. Now we are recording this on Thursday, so we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I'm going to be out for the weekend, so we had to do this a little early. So the uh, last bit of news here is that 
Sam and Max is getting a PC and Switch remaster in December. Uh, it is the first season of Telltale Sam and Max series, which was an episodic point-and-click adventure game based on Steve Purcell's comic. Uh, the reason I bring this up is Sam and Max Hit the Road, the LucasArts game that came out in 1993, I think, is my favorite video game of all time. I also mm-hmm. absolutely love the comic. I'm not super stoked on season one from memory. I remember it being like more of, I'm just excited there's more Sam and Max rather than this is a good Sam and Max game. Um, What this does bring hope to me for though, is that uh, the third season of Sam and Max, uh, the last one that Telltale did was when they really hit the perfect mix of Sam and Max, just, weird wacky adventures like season three is absolutely fantastic so once again i'm more excited that well if they're doing this and i buy this hopefully that goes towards them doing the other two seasons Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. point and click adventure games there's also a new sam and max game coming out in vr which to be honest looks pretty terrible but once again i'll buy it just because it's sam and max (laughs) right 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 but uh yeah not really much to say about this um but uh i will read a quote here uh the developers have said initially we only planned to patch sam and max season one on pc so it would work better on today's computers apparently the original season doesn't really work well with windows 10 i was told um but as we get into it we realize there's a lot more we wanted to do some things we can do now thanks to better tech and others we couldn't we didn't do back then because we didn't know how Plus, there were some things we wanted to fix that we just couldn't. Well, not without rolling back to a 13-year-old version of Telltale's development tools that no longer exist. The project grew from that point, and it was much more than a patch, and Sam and Max Saves the World Remastered was... So it sounds like some of the original developers are on this too, which is pretty cool. Super interesting. I think that it's a different age for Sam and Max as well. Yeah. For anyone who's like listening, who's like semi interested, if you liked Rick and Morty, like it's not that style, but it's like in the in the ballpark. Yeah, it's like um, imagine if they made Rick and Morty in the nineties, like that type mm. of humor. Like it's really absurdist and strange. And yeah, I think it was maybe like five or six years ago. Now I streamed the uh, Sam and Max hit the road which, you know, mm. at that point was 20-odd years old. Um, yeah. And I hadn't played it since I was a kid. So it was like one of those things where you go back and watch a movie that you loved as a kid and realize that it's absolutely trash. I was mm. a little bit worried about that because it was my favorite game of all time. And yep. I was so surprised how well not. Yeah. it held up. And it was still funny. And a lot of yeah. its jokes were even punchier now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. It might even be a case of season one, actually, yeah. Post-internet. It, it makes more sense in the absurdist humor that it has. I, LucasArts are also very good at um, point and click. You know, one of the problems with point and click is like, oh, that's the solution. Yeah. Um, first of all, Sam and Max is absurd. So when you go, oh, that's the, that's the solution. You know, it's more of that tone. Yeah. Uh, and second of all, LucasArts are pretty good with their logic. So it's not that bad. This is obviously Telltale. It's a different yeah. beast, but it's very much inspired by that uh, hit the road. So I don't know. Uh, hearing about Sam Max VR, all it makes me think of is Trover Saves the Universe, which was um, yeah. written by Royland, which was the creator yeah. for Rick and Morty. It, I mean, when I think of Sam Max VR, I'm like, what is that? And then I'll watch the trailer and I'm like, that does not look fun. Um, yeah. You look like you're making a weird shooting gallery inside of an amusement park, which 
Granted, there is an amusement park in Seven Max Hit the Road, so like maybe it could be that, but it just doesn't maybe. look very fun. But like, mm. I adore Sam and Max so much, so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump on for that ride and I'll complain about it heartily. Um, yeah, but it's such a shame because with uh, Telltale, they actually did a the Sam and Max comic is really hard to get a hold of, or at least it was, and Telltale did a limited run of a really nicely printed. Um, Sam and Max, the original comic collection, and then they added like this Purcell wrote uh, two or three new short comics for the end of it. Uh, have that back in Australia. Such a shame you can't get that anymore. But I would, I don't, I don't condone piracy. But if you can get a hold of some scans of the Sam and Max comic, and you do like some of that absurdist humor along the lines of, um, you know, imagine if the Goon, if anyone's read the Goon and um, Rick and Morty somewhere in the middle of those two sort yeah. of uh, humors because it's very pulpy 1930s style mixed with just weird absurd things which yeah i really enjoy it yeah and less less in your face like rick and morty or ren and stimpy as well uh yeah. max is a bit more they're doing things you you just get to sit back and watch you're not challenged to be like part of their wackiness yeah um, and then like which there is, is i know subtle is subtle tones underneath too where you're just like huh. yes yeah. yeah. It's definitely the writing that will have to carry uh, Sam and Max. Obviously, this is a fairly known quantity because this is just a remaster. But yeah. yeah. If you haven't experienced yeah. it before, those are the things to look out for if you are thinking about checking it out. If that yeah. sounds interesting, definitely do so. I might, might do a stream of it. Um, as I said, I haven't revisited this. I remember buying this from the Telltale website before Steam was even selling third-party games. Mm-hmm. And having to download the zip files uh, from the Telltale backend and not knowing what time they were going to release the game. I remember the day yeah. it was coming out. I'm up at 1 a.m. in the morning, like fresh, refreshing that page, waiting for it to drop. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. so excited. Those are like the worst habits as well, because even if it drops, what are you going to do? You're going to stay up. There's like two outcomes, right? You stay up for 30 minutes to an hour. And then you have to go to bed because you're responsible and you're annoyed at yourself. Or you stay up too long because you're irresponsible and then you're annoyed at yourself. Yeah, I did. It's, it's like such a lose-lose scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in my early 20s, so I stayed up all night and then went Yeah, lose-lose scenario. Um, but it's totally worth it for the excitement. Absolutely. And that's the end of the news because there's literally nothing happening. The only other news stories that are out is like, hey, like Cyberpunk's date is causing games to delay because they don't want to release when Cyberpunk does. And uh, hey, those new consoles is out and people are mad because Amazon didn't deliver them on time. Basically, (laughs) that's the news right now. Uh, As I said, Friday could bring some stories, but Blue... I will... Hang on, just before we move on, I I just wanted to mention this because this was kind of cool. This was from a few weeks ago now, so it's not immediately super relevant it's actually from before the u.s election and this does matter um alexandria ocasio cortez had her first uh twitch live stream Uh, where she played among us this is is a while ago now uh like two or three weeks now and she pulled in like the third highest consecutive views on first stream or something like that yeah i think that's really really cool and interesting it's it's such a I don't know about refreshing, but it's a very interesting new breed of politician that's savvy about the news, um, about you know, media. It was very uh, interesting to me too. I watched some clips from it and mm. like, obviously, yes, it was a marketing outreach it activation, is, yeah. but yeah. it didn't feel like that. Like 
They no. felt like they knew the game. They understood the game. They were a little bit daggy about it, but like it didn't feel like a straight product placement for lack of a no. better term. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Right. There was absolutely a political motivation behind that. Like um, the meme of orange is sus vote him out. Um, started <laughs> circulating out, which is amazing. I freaking love that on Twitter. That was so funny to watch. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely like, um, ulterior motives to this but it's really interesting and this is not the first time she's been on twitch she was um also she also popped in uh in twitch chat when someone was raising money for charity and playing donkey kong country i believe it was the game and just her presence in twitch chat galvanized a lot of people to go in as well so she knows how to make use of her presence um so far it's been in positive ways so that's pretty good but yeah and something now, to like think about now begins the uh the downfall of Twitch where every politician is like, oh, I could do a stream with the youngins. Um, it'll be such <laughs> such a shooting gallery though, oh, of just like so savage. <laughs> they're gonna set themselves up and they're not gonna realize there's a dunk tank between them. Because not everyone so few of them will have the savviness that uh that AOC has, right? Yeah, so, totally. Just thought that was like super interesting in the past few weeks that we didn't get to talk about that was totally worth mentioning. If it slipped your radar as well. Yeah, check it out. It's like very interesting. This media is going in weird places. Yeah, it, like if this was Australia, it'd be like you know, Scott Ludlum, if he was still a politician. Yeah, the type of person to do it right. Totally. I mean, he and did he D &D would be at PAX. That was pretty awesome. He would be received with open arms and like, what? A, that's a good person. That's a good yeah, person. He is a great person. I I wish. Yeah. He was anyway. We won't get into that because this is a no. game show. <laughs> yes. Yes. So blue, what have you been playing lately, mate? uh over quarantine since, since it has been since like quarantine that i haven't spoken over quarantine i picked up breath of the wild just to like whittle time away it's a great just i'm doing nothing game uh and i'm not a fan of open worlds in traditional senses uh what i found super fun was learning how to do there's a trick in the game that speedrunners use called the uh, wind bomb which is um gaining ludicrous horizontal speed by using explosions to just catapult you super fun I totally uh, condone learning speedrunning tech for games that you may not be interested in normally because it adds a new dimension to the game. And then more recently, I've been playing uh, quite a bit of Deep Rock Galactic, giving it a proper shake. Um, space Dwarf Mining added two new mission types, which are super fun. And one of the mission types is actually an escort mission, and I kind of like it. it. It has some problems with it, but I kind of like the escort mission and the other okay, so, one is so before we go further into the missions um for those who don't know deep rock galactic we have streamed it blue and i've streamed it together a few times yeah. um it's a solo or co-op like it's definitely built around co-op four players mm -hmm. go into a mine to collect resources and usually each run has a uh an objective or a mission mm -hmm. type gimmick yeah effectively. A gimmick. yeah yeah and um it you're is. going in to get all these resources that you then use to unlock new equipment and yep. outfits and boost stats and all that sort of fun stuff um created in mind with left for dead being an archetype of what they wanted to create basically and each mm. mine is randomized right uh, procedurally generated yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so yeah the update released these two new mission types i am interested uh, what are you escorting you want me to spoil it? It's fun. 
Oh, okay. It is. It is. Yeah, for the podcast. Yeah, it is a gigantic machine called the drill dozer. The, the drill dozer. All the right. drill dozer. It's so fun. It's so Hell thematic. Yeah. It's. Do you get they to have, ride the drill dozer? You do. You do. the oh. The developers have like locked in on the aesthetic of DRG, mm-hmm. and it's it's really good. You, like, you, when you get to see them just flex and um, have fun with the concept. It's really good. It's really fun. Good times. Um, and I'll just say the second one is actually my favorite of the two. It's more fun and it's very aesthetically um, consistent. Mm-hmm. And I won't tell you what it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think we were talking, I think it was you and I that were talking. Um, I really feel like they have created such an interesting world yeah. and likable world that they could make any other game they wanted and set it in this space. And and it do pretty well, or at least yeah. interesting. Snark and I, the other person, our friend Snark, um, we were talking while we were playing one day, and he was just like, I really want them to make another game that has nothing mechanically to do with this, but it's about elves, and they're in management. They're in, like, they're, like, you know, <laughs> the the middle managers of, like, because this is a dwarf mining operation in space, what are the elves doing? Uh, probably management, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, all right. And uh, that's that's basically just taking up all your time. Basically, yeah. I have been playing a bunch of games like Hades, more Hades, getting closer mm. towards that W. I'm hoping I can do it tonight, actually, streaming it tonight. Um, but still loving Hades. I really am excited. Um, this this may sound a bit bad to not play it on stream, so I can really mm-hmm. just take my time and really dive into it a little more. Yeah, because being on stream, it's- like I'm listening to all the dialogues and I'm kind of just upgrading whatever's next in the chain. But being able to really just soak in and take in how those different things interact with one another, because you know you're always striking the balance between I'm just going to sit here and read everything and ignore chat and you know being entertaining, right? So, um, but goddamn, that's Probably my game of the year thus far. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, maybe not, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I've uh, been playing uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which if you uh, don't follow the YouTube, you should go follow the YouTube uh, because there's a review there that dropped on release day or day before release. Um, yeah, that game's interesting. That game's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, I am a casual Assassin's Creed fan. I... Mm-hmm. Actually, I have big problems with the first run of those games. Um, I'm not going to get into all of them now, but I think that the first Assassin's Creed is the most disappointing use of a new idea for a game, and I was just so mad and angry at it at the time. Uh, the second one that everyone seems to love so much, I thought was passable. Like, the combat and the movement in those games just always felt like trash to me. Assassin's Creed mm-hmm. 3 is just horrific. It's disgusting. Unity, granted, I haven't played it since it had all those launch bugs, um, but that was, like, unplayable when I did play it. Syndicate's the first one that I liked. Syndicate was pretty cool. Origins is the one that I love. I haven't played Odyssey. Um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is, you know, set in the Viking uh, invasion of England, I guess, if you want to call it an invasion. Um, It's about a clan moving over from Norway and trying to set up shop in, in England. There's a lot of, like, family... Um, bureaucracy and political drama that obviously takes inspiration from Game of Thrones or the TV show Vikings, I think. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched that show, but I've heard. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, it's pretty good. It takes what... Um, so it's exactly the same of the new line of Assassin's Creed games. And by new line, I mean Origins and Odyssey, where they did all those sweeping changes. It's that formula, but distilled down to a science. Like, um, it it takes all the stuff uh, that those games had, but gives you breathing room. So that feels, even though it still essentially is a checklist from A to B, it feels less like a checklist. It has some space for you to sort of explore the world at your leisure. It's mm. not an insane amount of icons on the screen at all times. Um, like, for instance, the side quests aren't a thing anymore. So, like, they just have three sorts of activities, and one of them is called mysteries. And mysteries, maybe you find a mysterious item, but more likely than not, you find someone that needs help doing something. And it's not always apparent of, you need to take this person's thing to be. It might be some puzzle-solving elements, or... A mystery could be a glitch in the animus and you have to do this like platforming challenge and all this Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And it just makes it feel more organic, even though technically it's not. You're still doing the same thing, but it just, that perception just feels so much better. Um, There's also way less loot. I wasn't changing my loot every 10 seconds, which is the biggest problem I had with Origins. And I didn't play Mm -hmm. Odyssey, but I've watched enough videos of Odyssey to see that that was an even bigger problem because that game was so much bigger than Origins. And full of so much more stuff that, yeah, you were just constantly changing loot. So there's still plenty of loot, but it's more meaningful. And the more you upgrade it. And the biggest change was the settlements feature. So you start with nothing, basically. And then you pillage other monasteries and take their supplies. And then you can build, like, the blacksmith or the hunting lodge or the barracks and stuff. And that will unlock not only the ability to craft new things or buy new things or send your soldiers out to do stuff. Like it'll also open up entirely new quest lines and mission types and all those sorts of things. Um, and like the biggest problem with the, the two biggest problems I have with Assassin's Creed is combat and movement as being problem number one. Like even now I was constantly jumping on things I didn't want to jump on. Uh, all of the combat mm. basically feels like random flailing and then pulling off special moves once your adrenaline's up. And like, it's cool, it's badass, but I kind of said this in the review, I want it to be more freeform like Spider-Man, where I feel like no matter the situation, I can work something out, whether it looks cool or it's messy. Um, Assassin's Creed feels very rigid of you lock onto an enemy and nine times out of 10, it'll lock onto an enemy you weren't wanting to lock onto and you just yeah. swing and repeat. I want it to be more freeform or I want it to be more slow paced and tactical, something like for honor, which I know that's not going to fly in a, we need to sell a hundred million units of this game. Well, no. so, uh, it's not I just feel, yeah, I just feel like it's really boring. Um, so that's still a problem. And then the other problem is just the animus stuff. Like I don't give a shit about any of this future, non-future going back in time, Templars, assassins. And there's a lot of that in this game, not so much the future stuff, just, the the insistence of this Templars and Assassins feud that's just like, this isn't good and this is just so messy and like, who gives a fuck who Desmond is? Like, honestly. But yeah, so that's like Assassin's Creed. It's pretty good. It's my favorite one of those. Would I have chosen to go out and play it if I wasn't doing a review? No. Um, am I glad that I played it? Kind of. Like, it's cool, but, mm. you know, I, I'm not going to think about it for much longer, to be honest. Um, but if you like Assassin's Creed, go ahead. It's probably the best one of those. If you don't like Assassin's Creed, don't touch it because it's not going to change your opinion is basically where we're at on that one. What about the people who like the early Assassin's Creeds and didn't like Origin onwards? Then no, because it's basically mm-hmm. exactly the same as that new line. 
Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, I would I would avoid it. Like I mean, it's just it's not a bad game. It's just not stellar. It's not doing anything. No, insane. know what you're gonna get out of your game, right? Like that's basically yeah, exactly. It. So like, if yeah. you're into Vikings and want that Norse story, then hell yeah, go for it. But if mm. that doesn't tickle your fancy, just don't bother. Yep. The other thing is, I have been playing Noita. I did a first bite for that. It'll be going up on mm-hmm. Tuesday. Uh, that game, I'm kind of kicking myself. I didn't touch it beforehand. It's kind of like Yakuza was. I had an idea of what Noita was in my head, and it totally yeah. was not that game. I had this idea that it was like this weird Terraria sort of. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah no. no, it's not. Uh, there are certain there are certain games, not just you know Noita, but like there are certain games that make waves in the niche, like Yakuza. Yakuza is mm. a game that anyone in the RPG space will probably have heard of, you know, and they just don't tend to hit the outside. And when you go in open to those games and willing to see what that game has to offer, more often than not, you are blown away. And I'm not surprised you're getting a good response out of Noita. Yeah. Because it made waves. Oh, man. Yeah. So, like, the other thing, I said this in the first bite. I don't know if it'll make the final edit. Um, So... Actually, quickly before we go there, the first bite, I just want to explain, that's a series where I basically just, mm-hmm. I, I have to be very selective with which games I do a review for, because a review can take anywhere between 20 and 60 hours to put together by the yep. time I play it and get the thoughts together and all that stuff. Um, and like, I have a full-time job and I'm streaming, so I can't, you know, I have to be selective, but I get a bunch of games that I play and I decide if I'm going to review it. And I'm like, well, that could be content too. So it's essentially, I play an hour of the game and then I cut it down to about 10 minutes of my thoughts along that hour. Um, and then if I do decide to go on and do a review of the game, then it'll be interesting to go back and see if my first impressions still hold up. Uh, and if I don't go on to review a game, then you guys have at least just seen a little bit of the game and what I thought of it basically is the thinking behind that. So I have only played an hour of Noita so far. But goddamn what an hour it has been. Like, oh, an amazing just sense of discovery that I haven't felt since probably Minecraft. Um, the thing that was really interesting to me, and I, I said this in at least what the footage I have, um, is the phrase that every pixel is physics-based and generated on its own. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? Like, I didn't know mm-hmm. what that meant. It doesn't really... Like, every pixel simulated. Like, what does that yep. sound like? In my head, yep. that was like, I don't really know what that means, but to me, it sounds like something that developers used to say about, oh, it's procedurally generated, which nine times... Ray tracing. 10, yeah. Nine yeah. times out of ten, it meant that, well, you have a bunch of empty rooms and your game's not very good because procedurally generating things does not automatically equal greatness. Right. Yeah. Like that's different now. People know how to do good procedural generation. But, you know, yes. every pixel simulated. I was like, that doesn't, okay, whatever. And then after playing it for now, I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh my God. You I get, get why it. it's, yeah. Like for saying- a peek behind the scenes, I guess, or, or like a slight small lesson corner, with most games, it costs too much to simulate everything at all times, physics wise. So mm-hmm. objects will. Uh, if if an object is interacted with normally by the player, but by any actor within the scene, for example, an NPC, then what will happen in most engines is, yeah, we'll simulate the physics of that. Once the, the engine has considered it settled, it, it's not that it's settled, it's that physics just stops working for that thing. So in the source engine, for example, if you kick a bucket, 
Why is it so agitated until the moment it stops moving completely? It's because physics just stops working for it entirely at some point. That's not how Noita works. <laughs> no, it just goes on and on and on until you've accidentally burnt yourself a million times. <laughs> <laughs> There's this moment that will definitely be in the video where I worked out that you could like add spells to your wand to make like just... Like I was like laughing in glee that I haven't I haven't genuinely felt that feeling in such a long time. So yeah, I'm hoping it holds up for the review because I'm very very excited to spend the next twenty or thirty hours playing that game. I'm very very keen. Awesome, super um, keen. And yeah. the other thing that I've been playing a lot of is VR. So I got my hands on an Oculus Quest Two, and uh, boy oh boy is that a good bit of kit. That is a fantastic bit of kit. Um, I was a bit hesitant. So for my background in VR, I have spent a lot of time in VR since the DK2. Uh, way, way, way back in the day, I actually worked on a VR game for seven years. So I'm pretty, mm-hmm. pretty competent in what VR is. And I haven't touched VR for a couple of years, actually. I have a Rift mm-hmm. back in Australia. And I actually didn't bring it. I didn't use it. It sat in a box. Uh, I didn't bring it with me to Japan because I was like, oh, there's nothing that I really want to play on this thing. And then uh, I got to Japan and a few months later, Half-Life Alex was announced. I was like, Are you serious? My favorite the gaming series. The cruelty of the gods. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and anyway, fast forward to this week, got an Oculus Quest 2. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, it's not as good as like a Vive Index. It's not as good as this. It's not as good as that. I mean, like, technically, it's not as good, but, like, when you put a headset on, like, you can't really tell a difference. Like, we have a Valve Index at work, and, like, technically, it is better, but, like, not noticeably and not for that price jump, honestly. The, the, the price thing is the most important one that all of these people who are on the bleeding edge don't seem to understand. It's, it's not about how good it is. Is it good enough for yeah. someone to jump in on? Yeah. That's and the I, important part. I have to say, like, the Quest... 2 is, uh, and I have not used the original Quest, but I am so surprised just how good it is. Like, it's a really sturdy bit of kit. The screen is super clear, 90 hertz. Uh, I am using virtual desktop to stream the games from my PC. So I'm getting that PC fidelity. And uh, because the link cable is, it's 130 bucks, but it's also out of stock everywhere. So uh, I was like, I'll take the punt. And that has not missed a beat for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've been playing Half-Life Alex, which is utterly phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Might be one of my favorite gaming experiences of all time. Uh, I mean, I don't even care if the story doesn't get any better, but it is already very good. It's just, I've yep. not had this feeling ever. It's just so fantastic. Um, but yeah, just like everything that I'm throwing at this headset works surprisingly well. The tracking, like the last mm-hmm. time I used VR was with the, uh, you know, the two stands that came with the Oculus sitting on my desk, like the tracking is so damn good in this headset. Um, like I'm, I'm getting about two and a half hours of battery life. That's the only downside that I'm having from this thing. But playing like Half-Life Alex with no wires, like is pretty phenomenal. Like I yeah. cannot recommend if you want to get into VR, I, I wouldn't recommend getting a big um, valve set up unless you have a lot of room for room scale VR. And a lot of money to just burn. Yeah. It's, like, so, honestly, it's not even just the kit. It, you need the PC for it. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you have all that stuff, like we, as I said, using the the proper Valve setup, the Vive setup, like it is a little better. It's not mm-hmm. a lot better. It's 
a little better. And it's uh, not it's not one and a half grand US better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I ended up just getting the 64 gig version of the headset because most of, as I said, most of the, my gameplay is going to be from my PC. Um, mm. your mileage may vary depending on your setup, but also just like, I can throw this in my bag and still have Beat Saber with me when I get wherever I'm yep. going. Like yep. the convenience of that, of being able to have just a few games bought from the Oculus store that is stored directly on the headset, like pretty awesome, mm. pretty great stuff. The thing that really sold me on the concept for the quest is that if you have the right game and just a controller, in theory, you could play something on a plane, like on a trip. Yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Like if you, you know, if you wanted to just get out of the, the airplane for a moment, you could just pop it on and be somewhere else. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. I don't know. <laughs> to me, that's insane. Like, ah, uh, because it's such Even, a time sink, right? Travel. But yeah. Yeah. Even just the idea of having like the headset to watch a movie without yeah. seeing all the plane and the people around me, like yeah, like, hell yeah, <laughs> that would be something else. I think that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely interested in doing more VR reviews. I we did a stream that uh, last night of Half Life Alex that surprisingly didn't break too much. So we may do that from time to time, do a VR mm-hmm. stream, but I am interested, obviously, because I'm going to be checking out new VR games as they release that. I may dabble in some YouTube reviews on mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, but yeah, the quest so far, like four or five days into it, uh, big thumbs up from me. I, I think it's a fantastic bit of kit. And if you have been thinking about it, I would definitely uh, go for that over one of the more expensive rigs, even if you do have a PC powerful enough to run it, because I think that this will more than uh, happily provide you the VR you need um, mm. and just wait until the, if you really need the bleeding edge, just wait for that stuff to drop in price or the next, next few upgrades, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Before the Quest 2 came out, I would have actually suggested people um, get the PSVR because it's just a very friendly setup, but I think the Quest 2 blows it out of the water. Yeah. Hands down. I have used the PSVR yeah. and yeah, the, the quality on the Quest is, you know, games and everything aside, because yeah, yeah there's more on the PC as well. Like the yes, the quality of the sure. Quest Two. Like I am honestly yeah. shocked, like just mm. how this. Like the other thing is, um, the Quest Two is better quality than my regular Rift that I left in Australia. So mm. it's like no brainer. It would have cost me about 150 bucks to get that shipped over. So I've mm. given I've donated that to Valenex for all of his work on the reviews. So thanks, mate. Yeah. Um, headsets have improved dramatically yeah that's the thing and also the games like um like yes. i've played a few outside of half-life alex as well and while there are still just a bunch of like tech demo-y broken things like the few game games that i've played like they are like actual games now not on rail yeah. shooters like most things were when i uh was dabbling in vr a lot all right well that brings us to a close and even though there was hardly any news we still managed to nearly hit an hour blue so go us <laughs> yay um so make sure that you uh follow the podcast make sure you come over to twitch.tv forward slash pixels of breakfast to stream three nights a week japan time we do games we do irl streams we do tokyo street photography all that fun stuff uh also make sure you go over to youtube uh this will be on there along with a bunch of reviews and first bites youtube.com forward slash pixels of breakfast blue do you want to give your other podcast a bit of a plug 
Absolutely. I Platforms and Pitfalls is the other podcast that I'm on, and I've finally returned for a recording for one this month, although I'm mostly silent throughout it. Um, this is going to be a special two-month episode because we are tackling the the five games in the Fabula Nova Crystallis series, which is what Final Fantasy XIII was initially meant to be. I, do, I know almost nothing about the Lightning Saga, which is what we covered this month. So we have a guest on, and uh, my co-host Rowan and, and our guest Jack go into great detail about the games, the developments on the story, um, the mechanics. If you're interested in what went into this RPG that tried to be a distillation of RPGs and like what happened with that series, because I'm sure not many people followed up on 13 after 13 effectively bombed to um, uh, mass uh, opinion. Um, please do check this out. It's going to be super interesting. Next month, we're going to hit the other two games in the Fabula Nova Crystallis series, which is um, Agito, which eventually became Type-0, and Versus, which eventually became 15. So yeah, platforms and pitfalls for that. Awesome stuff, so make sure you go check that out. And we'll be back next week, as always. Don't forget to pixelate your breakfast. Namunaku, Pixel and Breakfast,